ClickSee podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. It's very important if you're taking something house, how you try to maintain a view on what does great look like. This is the ClickSee Digital Marketing Podcast, and I'm joined today by James Briscoe, the COO at Percept Audit. In this episode, we'll be talking about in-house media buying and exploring why brands are bringing media buying in-house. James started his career as an epidemiologist, but the bright lights of the internet proved too much for him, and he co-founded Unique Digital, a leading digital media agency, going on to sell it to Syzygy and WPP. He was a pioneer in search, having won and run some of the biggest accounts in the world. And James now works at Percept, an auditing and benchmarking technology solution as Chief Operating's Officer, with varying responsibilities in the young startup. So James, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the ClickZ Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Tim. Pleasure to be here. Great. And we're looking forward to getting some of those insights because I know you've really been at the cutting edge there of working with brands who've brought their media buying in-house and again at the agency side, seeing it from from that side. So could we start off with a definition? How would you define in-housing and how has it affected in particular search marketing? I think that's that's a great question to start, really, because... I've spoken to a lot of clients this year about in-housing, and if you ask if I ask 10 of them what they think in-housing is, I think I'll probably get 11 answers back. I think there's a real lack of clarity, and obviously, you know, obviously in its purest form, in-housing is just a, you know, conducting an activity or operation within your own company and not outsourcing it. So it sounds quite simple, but really when, when you talk to clients about in-housing, some believe that's, that's just maybe changing the way they work with agencies. and some believe that's bringing all of their media buying in-house. Um, many believe that it's it's more important to get their get more control of their strategy, more control of their data, or or have direct relationships with um, the media owners and ad publishers. Um, so, in terms of direct media, for me, it's, it's I think there's a continuum of of, of in-housing from all all the way from from having doing everything everything entirely in-house, um, i.e. every part of your marketing through to a, a use of specialists through to completely outsourcing. I think the industry does suffer from a lack of clarity of what it means. And have you seen a, a difference in the evolution of different disciplines? So content marketing, there's a lot of in-housing that's going on there with the creative side of things. Um, and search, that also, you know, I've seen a lot of people go in-house now for search. Yes, I think that lots of, lots of content, maybe social, kind of almost went in-house at birth um, immediately. And I think there's a belief that many brands have that they're better off doing some of that creative work themselves. And they've done that equally. I think many believe that in order to have fresh ideas, it's important to keep a fresh roster of creative agencies. But your point about search is very valid. In terms of in terms of the large chunk of digital revenue generating activity, I think searches have been the one that's been taken in the house first. Let's look at what are the reasons why people approach it in the first place. What would you say are the main attractions of bringing media buying in house in the first place? You've touched upon a couple already, I think. There's a desire for a greater level of transparency, and there's been lots of news in the last few years about how. Agencies and middlemen are taking part of the part of the revenue in between, and how much is actually going on the media buy. I think there's a definite lack of trust that's been broken between agencies and, and brands. 
And I think that's caused a reaction for, for brands to say, well, in order for us to have greater transparency, maybe we just need to be closer to it and bring it in-house and have that visibility. And I think as you as the the amount of amount of revenue or the amount of spend has gone up against the against these marketing practices such as paid search, I think the, the importance of it um, has increased. So I think, you know, the paid search activity I'm sure spoke about at many board level decisions where maybe five years ago it was wasn't it wasn't, but it's become that important. And also I think there's a belief from some brands and some brands I've spoken to this year that it's it's they can save money or they can be more efficient or drive more revenue if they if they bring stuff in house. I'm not sure that's always true. It needs to be everything seems to be conspiring against it. If you look at something like GDPR and the data, I know I've listened to some of your previous podcasts, you've had some interesting views on it, but I think it has caused concerns in the market, GDPR. And if there's a responsibility to take more control of your data. And if you're taking control of your data, then you have to bring that in-house. That's one less thing you're relying on your agency to do. And, and the final one would be, I think, you know, media is very different today. You know, the, prog- the world of programmatic, it's, it's, it's not about the large centralized buying groups anymore. And the technology, although it's not simple, can be put in the hands of brands and they can buy media effectively in-house. So where a few years ago, maybe it wasn't possible. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things I've seen is that now there is so much more data available to create dashboards and to um, measure ROI. Um, and boards, as you mentioned, they expect to have that data. They expect to be able to see the performance data coming through. And when you start then making that the the decision-making currency for your organization, certainly for the marketing department, then the more you drill into it, the more you can identify where there are bits which aren't delivering the effectiveness. And particularly with media agencies, where you can see the money going at the top and you can see the results coming in at the bottom and you're thinking, well, hold on, there's there's got to be a more efficient way of, of dealing with that. And they're quite big chunks, ultimately, of your marketing budget, which are going through media spending, uh, sorry, media agencies, which when you bring in-house, at least you've got full visibility, the full transparency. So are there specific benefits to bringing search marketing in-house? We've already mentioned some of the, the bigger changes, but with search in particular, what are, what are the reasons why people are so keen to bring that in, do you think? Well, it's, it's probably one of the biggest drivers of revenue on, on plan, um, on the budgeting plans is very important. Um, and I think there's a, there's a feeling that lots of things, lots of mechanics involved in search, keywords and audiences and copy are quite close to quite close to what a brand is thinking anyway. You know, you need to understand your messaging, um, who you're targeting. I think there's also an element of the technology is very well established now, so there is there is practice, there is there is talent available in the market that that can operate with the machinery. Um, I think Google has encouraged brands to at least consider taking their activity in-house um, and moving away from agencies. And, I've, and if you're the right type of brand, the right type of, type of organization, I think you can move a lot quicker and you can get your sales messages up quicker and you can do some test, some nice testing quicker if you have it, if you're removing that middle layer, um, if you build the right type of team in your organization. So let's pick up on that idea of talent just quickly. I've worked with some great search marketers, both from an um, organic side and from a paid side. Um, and uh, you know, they typically are people who've maybe come from an agency and now they've gone freelance uh, and they're kind of working across lots of different brands. 
do you see that the the industry has sort of matured enough um, to create lots of opportunities now for for freelancers to go in-house and what advice would you have for someone who's maybe listening to this who's early on in their career and thinking about getting more into search the biggest challenge i think we all have the biggest challenge is there's a lack of really good quality talent so to answer your, your latter point i think if, if i was advising anyone coming into the industry it's just it's just find something it could be search and just become an expert at it and then go and offer that expertise because people people want what you offer and i think the challenge the talent challenge is is probably the ones that might might stop in housing because if there's a lot of places where talent wants to go and it's not necessarily agencies anymore and it's not necessarily brands. Um, I know lots of lots of the people I speak to who are very good at paid search and SEO. They they refuse to they refuse not to be a freelancer. They love freelancing. They love working from home, different projects, and they have the expertise to demand that and not having to turn up to an office. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that actually that's the way that um, the emphasis is, is going now on able, being able to be remote. And back to the point you were touching upon before about um, where the data sits. Um, I mean, there's the question about the sort of data security and the privacy if you've got freelancers, contractors who are who need access to the brand's data, but they are sitting remote. There's that question there about the security. But also there's the question... Um, that I, I call uh, uh, currency, which is how do the individual search marketers ensure that they're getting the latest thinking from the branding team or the latest feedback from customer services or the insights from the sales team. Um, and if they're sitting in the same team um, next to each other, then that, that process you know, is almost organic or by osmosis, uh, you know, because they're just chatting about it all the time. But it's slightly harder when those individuals then are remote uh, and having to patch into conference calls and trying to get that that insight. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree entirely. I think, that, and that's that's how to build a good team. I just fear, and I see sometimes happening that you take you take a domain specialist and you put them in a in a client brand environment, and they they slowly learn a lot about the brand and how to do other branding stuff and become a much better marketer. But maybe they lose some of that domain expertise. And then after a year or two, your in-house team is maybe not as sharp as as it was. Maybe it's not quite as 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 on the on the latest trends as it should be. And that's only because they're too busy talking about with the the other brand requirements, and they're getting maybe excited about the, the old overall brand mission. And so I think it's very important if you're taking something house, how you try to maintain a view on what what does good, what does good, or what does great look like. Um, because if you have one or two people leading these disciplines and they're too busy doing what, what you know, sending you reports and running the activity, then maybe they're not going to that Google conference or maybe they're not reading that blog they should need to be reading. And I think that's where the freelancer, those freelancers just maintain that purity of discipline. But it's not, an, it's not an ideal combination either way. I think there's a, it's definitely better to have those people sitting next to you. It's just you've got to make sure you have mechanics and ways to just keep them make sure they stay up to date yeah no it's fascinating to think about the the trade-off there between somebody who can be immersed in that sort of that technical expertise and living and breathing it as a freelancer or contractor um and then as you say if they come in-house then they have to be immersed in all sorts of other uh, domains of knowledge 
um, plus all of the, uh, I'm going to say the socializing and the sort of interactivity and the other things you get focused on when you become an employee within any organization. But there is a, a trade-off there between whether you and, and how you can stay cutting edge with your with your team. So what are some of the other downsides, would you say, of, of in-housing that you've seen? First thing is, if you're assuming you're going to save money, I think you need to go back and have a look at it because it doesn't always... You know, there's lots of business cases being formed saying we're going to save a lot of money or we're going to find some massive kickback in the system that we're not getting. I don't, that is not, that's often, that's usually not true. So I think that's, you, you should be, you need to have a much more mature view of um, where you're in housing. But I think the, the other thing is, it's just, as you, as you spoke to, and you know, some other podcasts, if you want to be a true good marketeer, you need to be a data scientist, you need to be a have a good eye for copy, you need to understand the latest ad tech, you need to have all these different disciplines in one person. It can be quite hard. Agencies have always been, to a degree, a commercial layer between the market and the brand. And if a brand doesn't pay its agency on time, and it's say 15, 20 days late paying its bills, this is just a very practical problem I see a lot, then the agency just nags them until they pay. You don't pay Google, they turn you off. It doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how big you are. I don't think brands really realise the lack of flexibility that Google offer, even big big brands. No, you're right. They they wield enormous power. It is a big problem for a lot of uh, small consultancies and freelancers and contractors is payment terms. Agencies famously taking 90, 120 days sometimes uh, to pay them. What about other sort of downsides? We, we talked about the challenges of uh, data. And for me, one of the, the big challenges I've faced when I brought media buying in-house is that I managed to cut back on my media spend by taking out some of the um, additional layers there and, and I got the additional transparency. But then I was overwhelmed with the amount of data that I was getting because I had a, a DSP terminal uh, and I had the media buyer in-house. They were just almost like fire hosing me down with all this data saying, right, well, we've got this data now, what do you want to do with it? Um, and I ended up then having to put in place resources, data analyst resources to try and figure out how to use all that data. Um, so that that can be quite a, a major challenge for brands as well, can't it? It's never been easier to set up and run a digital campaign. You could do it in a few hours, but in order to do it, to master it, to do it properly and to, to really understand all the different tech stack and the data sources and all the things has never been harder. It can be a challenge for many, for many marketing organizations I think there's lots of there's lots of really good technology out there which is just not being used. I've talked to many brands who have some of the latest pieces of kit, and no one can even know where the login is for it. Um, so maybe they were maybe it's the right piece of kit, but it, if it if it's not being used, then I think there's a there's a maybe a lack of focus, and it can be scary when you see the the requirements of that that data. I think as you were talking, as you were talking earlier, what GDPR is for is the same. Well, we have to now. You have to take some form of responsibility because you are liable, and the fines are very big. So you kind of have to run towards it rather than hide away from it. And talking about those tools and the technology, do you think it's become easier, more user friendly uh, with this growing trend of in housing that the the tools themselves um, are making them making their uh, their terminals more user friendly, so your average marketer can figure out how to use them. Yeah, they're generally, I would say, generally they are better, and I think the the interfaces are more like, clear. Uh, depending on who you're talking about, I think some of the account management managed service layers have got better. I think in others, it's, it's almost disappeared. So you have to make sure that you're understanding that 
when you buy on the tech that you what type of support you will be getting and you, you can get. Um, and it's, it's just, I think there's a lot more people who generally have a good understanding of how to use these things um, in the market than a few years ago. But they're still not necessarily easy pieces of kit to use. So it still, it still requires a lot, some focus and energy to make sure you stay sharp on them. And have you seen an increase in um, resources, whether that be sort of agency or consultants who go in and actually help brands understand how to do this in-housing project um, or or how do brands learn how to do it? Definitely, there was lots of, lots of buzz in the market and I think there's something definitely we do except we help lots of brands or we have the conversation with brands about how they potentially could could in-house and how they have an understanding of what their current activity looks like and where they want to get to as part of an audit or benchmarking process. I think there's a, there's a few there's a few specialist companies, um, agencies popping up to support that. There's a few agencies that are changing their propositions to support the in-house play. But it does change, you know, for an agency, it does change their commercial model, potentially moving towards an FTE model rather than a percentage of media. Or, I mean, obviously, you're, what you're doing, what you're saying to your brand is we're coming in and training you and telling you how to do these things yourself, and then the relationship might potentially might might finish so rather than having a longer term relationship yeah which is quite a sort of a, a bold move for an agency to do isn't it really because it's effectively um skilling up the in-house team and then making the agency redundant uh, in a way so much more transactional than the typical agency relationship we have today which is uh, you know always an ongoing annual uh, relationship yeah exactly yes if you had to put together a toolkit now where you had to say right for a marketing team these are the key skills or tools which I think that marketing team needs to have in order to be able to do in housing or just media buying really effectively. What would you say those two or three key tools or skills are? Um, I think you just touched on was what we offer at Beset. You have an audit or a benchmark on understanding of what is good and what is what's great and where you're at and a ways to maintain a view of, of your activity and what your activity should be and how you how you can write a plan to to improve what you're doing. And then the there's some key in terms of technology. I think the first thing you need really need to do is decide who your technology vendors are and you need to go and talk to them and form a direct relationship with them, including maybe some support. You obviously need to own own those parts of the tech stack. I think it's important that you have the whole the organization supporting you because the in-house play is going to touch many different parts of the of the business. That's why it's often best if it's driven down from both the t- driven down from the top um, because if you're a marketer and you want in-house you've got haven't got support of, of legal you haven't got support of procurement you haven't got support of your IT teams and you haven't got support from across the business you're gonna you're gonna struggle because this it's gonna touch pretty much every department um, so deciding obviously understanding what good is deciding what what your ad tech martech stack is and understanding how to build that talent um, within your within your team is is a really good start. And if you're if you're getting to that point, then I think you're you're quite you're getting quite mature in your thinking. Okay, some of the things we've been talking about so far, some of the tools, the technologies, even the sort of spends, they almost assume that it's a big brand that we're talking about. You know, someone who's buying millions of pounds worth of online media every year and, and can have a marketing team which is you know probably hundred people you know, that sort of size and there would then 
it, it would make sense to have a search team within that or a, a display team within that. But do you think that in-housing is a trend which is just affecting those big brands or is there also uh, relevance for the medium-sized and even smaller brands? I think it's very relevant for smaller and medium-sized brands. I think there's, there's different little sweet spots uh, of, of your size. I think if you're, if you're very small and, you've, and you're only running maybe some stuff on Google and Facebook, it might appear to be very simple to, to just get one or two people employed in-house in, in and just run activity directly. Uh, but I think you still fall, you could still fall down as a whole. You know, how do you maintain that talent's uh, domain knowledge? What if they quit? The next day, they have no one to run it. Um, so there's a problems with, with, with scale like that. Um, I do see, I think there's a sweet spot, some medium-sized brands, which are small enough to be nimble um, and quick to be to make decisions. I think they're the ones that could benefit the most from in-housing because they all the benefits we've spoken about in-housing, being able to move quicker, you know, to make, get campaigns up live, you know, having having that media person and that te- per- technology person, that creative person sitting next to each other. Some, and for, for medium-sized businesses, that is just some more practical way of doing things. And I think often they have maybe the right energy, maybe the, they're in the right location, you know, which can be quite important for talent to kind of build a, a really good culture to, to drive a really good in-house campaign. Um, which is a sweet spot, and obviously, if you're very, very big, I think you you just you could literally can have an agency in house, and it could be just as good as a small agency out of house. So I think there are sweet spots along the way. Each of their benefits and each of their pitfalls, um, but it all really comes down to, again, it's like whether you can keep and maintain that talent and have an understanding of of what if what you are doing, if it's if it's up to the standards it should be it's very much a case of getting at benchmarking data being able to understand what good looks like as a first step um, and then you can i suppose if even if your budget is quite small you can understand whether you what the performance figures that you have for those different channels how it how it looks against the the industry average if it is significantly worse then you can say right well how can i invest and where can i invest to be able to get our performance up to that level and the same principle i suppose applies but at a larger scale whatever the scale of the brand but that seems like a really good place to start with that that sort of audit there um we, we've talked about audit in terms of the sense of um almost just the the numbers the sort of numerical sense benchmark this against that but what else is there that a brand can audit specifically within uh within search are you looking at the specific keywords and how those perform at an individual level as well as you said different areas of auditing one is just pure performance but i think there's a whole area of of just how well structured and set up your your accounts are i know it can be quite it's 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 interestingly boring in a way that, you know, if, if, if you structure things in the right way, they just are easier to handle, easier to report, easier to make changes to, um, easier to grow. Um, so that whole structure piece is, is quite vital. Because you're dealing with, you know, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of keywords. And, and you want to be changing copy quickly. And you want to be testing copy. And you want to be adding different extensions and features. How that is all structured and how that's put together in the right way is 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 very important because if you put it together in the wrong way it will work it just won't run 
in the best way. And until you've taken it apart and rebuilt it, you're not going to get the best performance. There's also another ele element of how fresh stuff is and then how often you're making changes. You can set stuff up and just get a sweet spot and let it run. But, you know, are you doing experiments? Are you testing copy frequently enough? Are you changing bids frequently enough? Are you adding new keywords? Are you adding new negatives? There's a, there's a whole, if you talk to a good search practitioner, you know, they have a real program of activity they're doing every month of, of you know, adding, adding negatives and, and testing stuff and doing stuff. It's not, one of the, it's not a discipline that you, you turn on and, and leave because the market is changing, Google's changing, you need, you need to stay active. So you've got the whole structure piece, you've got the whole kind of how active are you being to try and push, push the boundaries of your current activity, push the freshness of it, and then you've also got the performance piece of how well it is doing um, against your KPIs or what, what is available in the market or how other competitors are doing. There are savings out there for brands. And it can work to make quite a significant savings there, which can then obviously be reinvested back into the, the media spend. But also, even if it's not creating that immediate return on investments um, or save, net saving, what it does is it brings that digital capability and those digital skills into the organisation. So just having search or display buying in-house um, has other benefits. Uh, we've talked about some of them, you know, that's of iterative process, that sort of digital thinking, that um, being able to bring the brand messaging and, and just getting sales and customer services all connected. So there are other benefits to an organisation, not just the the financial ones, although obviously that's what we're all going to be measured on. It's got to be embraced by the whole culture, I think, um, or at least the teams. Like, you know, each finance team have got to understand what you're trying to do, and IT teams, as we were talking about earlier, understanding what you're doing. So you can have that cultural effect, and you can have that have that thing of media buying. So it's closer to the organisation, it can be benefited. If you're sitting in an in, in an isolated pod, struggling away, then it's 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 going to fail. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap things up there. But uh, just a closing a couple of thoughts. Um, do you think we are going to see more in housing in 2019? I think we're going to see an awful lot of noise about it. I'm going to see a lot of press, a lot of chat. I think we could be sitting here in a year's time saying the word of the year is in housing. Um, I will think we'll see a lot of a, a lot of smart brands moving to some form of hybrid model where they may be changing the relationship with their agencies or changing their relationships um, or, getting new, or getting new agencies or new suppliers or new types of suppliers, and they'll start taking elements of their activity in-house. I think you'll see some people maybe take it not working for some brands. Um, so I definitely think there'll be a lot of noise. I think I hope we'll have a clearer idea of what it really means and all the different types of in-housing and what what a brand should do and I hope to see or I believe I'll see I think we'll see a whole new list of technology and and suppliers offering services and support around in housing I don't think it'll be until 2020 when we'll see some more more larger um, activity going on and then of course we have new channels coming on we have Amazon coming Amazon could just skip agencies altogether and go straight to brand because if agencies are not keeping up and they're not building the capability fast enough, then they, they have nothing to sell. And then we're in a world where I think many brands are going, well, we didn't in-house search, we didn't in-house display, but maybe we'll just, we'll just go straight to Amazon, we'll start fresh with, with, the new, with the new force coming through. 
So I think it's all it's all up to change. So definitely more 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 talk about it. And I think we'll see some interesting offerings coming up in 2019. Just remind us finally then, how Percept can help brands who are tackling some of these challenges and how can we find out and stay in touch with Percept? If you're a brand and, you, and you're asking questions about what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, what good looks like, um, this is something Percept can help with. We can help you understand your current activity, where you sit in the market and, and help you identify what you should be doing next. And if everyone wants to talk to me about it or just grab a coffee or talk to me or disagree with all the things I say about in-housing, um, then they can contact me at james.briscoe.com. Well, James, thank you so much. We've covered quite a lot of ground today. We've really gone through what in-housing means and some of the developments within in-housing, the practicalities of implementing it, the disadvantages of it, and what we think the implications are going to be for marketers in terms of the tools and technology they're going to, to need over the year ahead. So I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Clixie Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Tim. Really enjoyed that. Find more episodes at clixie.com forward slash podcasts or follow me on twitter at tim for change we'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks until then keep up to date with click z and don't forget to review us on itunes and stitcher click z the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997 providing best practice advice trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 300,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals thank you for listening and bye for now <laughs>